Good morning, Springwell. I was just telling Dylan and Will, I, I bet a lot of you couldn't wait for that first note or that first song, and instead you got me. Um, my name's Russ Daniel. Before I explain why I'm hijacking some of the service, I would like to invite the entire Springwell staff to join me up here, along with uh, Matt Campbell. I was kind of hoping Katie and Brian would be dressed like dinosaurs, but yeah. We were for babe. Um, so as they come up, October is Staff Appreciation Month, and over the years we've done a variety of things. We wanted to do something a little different this year, uh, primarily to involve as many people as we possibly could. So that's why we chose a Sunday morning and uh, why we chose an 11 o'clock service. So, for, yeah, y'all can, uh, I hate to block y'all. Um, so, first things first, we have a gift for everybody. So, Matt is going to hand those out. And as he does, I want to explain a little bit about them. So, when we got ready to plan a gift for the staff, um, to fund a gift for the staff, we reached out to uh, two serving teams, volunteer serving teams, and all of the growth group leaders. We invited them to participate, um, and we encouraged them to spread the word. So, they did a great job of spreading the word. So, I couldn't begin to tell you guys how many people contributed to this, but I can tell you for sure it was from all over the church. So this is a gift that you can use for a need. You can use it for a want. You can use it however you see fit. Um, but when you do, I hope you're reminded that your entire Springwell Church uh, really does love and appreciate you guys. So we hope you enjoy that, but don't go anywhere. Um, so... In addition to loving and appreciating these guys, which I do, I, I was thinking about what, what would I want to say up here, and I, I really want to say uh, that I respect these guys. Um, I've never been on a church staff before, but some of my volunteer roles uh, have given me a, a little bit of insight into what it's like to be on a church staff. Um, and I really want to tell you all that it's no joke. <laughs> um, like many of you, I say I, I have a hard job and I work hard at my job. And it's true, and it's true when you guys say it too. But I can tell you that their jobs are harder than my job. They work harder than I do. Um, the stuff that they deal with, <laughs> the decisions they make, the, the situations that they navigate, and it's no joke. Um, some of you may think they only work on Sunday or Thursday or whatever. These are like day and night, all week long kind of jobs that they have. Um, we'll, we'll never know what all they do. Um, the spiritual warfare that they deal with, uh, it's, it's on a level that most of us will never deal with. I hope we don't. <laughs> um, Satan doesn't like what happens here at Springwell. And... Uh, He's never going to miss an opportunity to disrupt it. And one of his best tools is to beat up on our staff, and he does it. But despite all of that, these guys faithfully uh, love us, support us, encourage us, pray for us all year long, not just in October, right? They need us to reflect that back to them and give that back to them. 
um, and not just in October, but all year round. So, you know, let's do that. I'm not good at it. <laughs> I'm good at saying I love you. I'm not that great at showing it or explaining it, but let's start that. When you pass them in the lobby, parking lot, whatever, give them a hug. Say thank you. You know, if they pop into your head, call them or text them or something. Say thank you for what you do. Um, so I see today as a pretty unique opportunity. Um, we've got our whole staff trapped up here on stage <laughs> because Matt Campbell's the bouncer and he's not letting him leave, right? Um, and we've got a, a packed house here. So let's take this opportunity to do what they do for us all year long. Let's all come together as a family, as one group, and uh, let's lift these guys up and uh, let's pray for them and pray over them the way they do for us all year long. So I'm going to lead us in that. When I do, you, you may want to bow your head and close your eyes. You may want to raise your head and open your eyes. I don't care. Uh, you can kneel. You can stand. You may want to reach out towards the staff. You do whatever you want to do. But what I want is for all of us to really focus and make the most of an opportunity. So let's get everybody in this room focused on lifting this staff up, okay? So I'm going to lead us in that now. Let's pray. Uh, Father, you are so good. You are so good to us. Uh, you just give and give and give. Uh, you give us stuff that we couldn't possibly give back uh, at that level. I'm not just talking about salvation either. Um, you've given us Springwell. Uh, it's unique here, to say the least. <laughs> um, this is a place where those of us that just don't quite feel right in a lot of other churches, we can feel right here. Um, and these are the people that you assembled to lead this church. So uh, when, when I say I'm eternally grateful for these people, I, I guess I mean it literally. I'm eternally grateful. They've affected my relationship with you, relationship with other people. Uh, they're faithful. And their jobs are hard. And so, God, I'm just asking right now that you equip them with everything they need. I'm talking stamina, strength, patience, wisdom, um, protection. Because Satan's not going to miss an opportunity. You know that. Protect them. Protect their families. And, God, I just pray that you help all of us, me and everybody else here, to do a better job of, of being more intentional about our gratitude, um, not just in October but all year long. I just call that in your son's name. Amen. How about a rowdy... Uh... this morning. Let's stand up. Let's sing together this morning. We're so glad that you're here.
morning. You ready? Let's sing it out. This is what it sounds like. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like when the church is feeling good all right we're gonna keep it going can we get it get your hands up in the air just like that
presence we are made whole. And in your presence we are made whole. Yeah, that's it. Sing it again in your presence. Sunday. I can feel it. It's going to be fun. You guys having fun? Awesome. It's so good to see you. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Uh, this Wednesday, we have something coming up uh, that a lot of you already know about. We're so excited about it, and that is our Candy Dash event. Like I said, a lot of you have heard all the details, and you're a part of that, and you're looking forward to it. Um, some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about, and that is all right. Uh, it's coming up this Wednesday. We want to just give you one more time some info about that. So check out this video. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm here to tell you about a brand new event called Candy Dash. This year, Halloween falls on a Wednesday, and that poses a huge problem for families. Why? Because kids want to stay out trick-or-treating to receive as much candy as they possibly can, but their parents understand that they need to get them home at a decent hour so that they can get up and get ready for school the next day. Well, what if I told you that there was a chance for you to receive more candy in less time on Halloween? Well, guess what? It's real and it's here. It's called Candy Dash. On October 31st from 6 to 7.30 p.m., we'll have volunteers lining our campus here at Springwell on a candy trail where your kids will be able to walk through and receive as much candy as they would normally going to 100 homes in a shorter amount of time. We're actually going to be giving away 500,000 pieces of candy. Now this event is completely free and is absolutely family friendly. So we wanna encourage you to invite your family and your friends, your coworkers, your classmates to come and hang out with you here at Candy Dash. Now remember this, the line will end promptly at 7.30 because we want to honor our families' times who are coming to hang out with us that night. You can find out more information about this event and more at candydash.org. We can't wait to see you on October 31st from 6 to 7.30 p.m.
Yes, this Wednesday night starts at 6 o'clock. We expect the line to begin 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Folks lined up. Really, the tagline of Candy Dash explains it very well. More candy, less time. The goal is for kids to come through, and it's like they're going to 100 houses, but literally they can do it in about 20, 25 minutes. They can go to 100 homes right here on our campus. Thanks to those of you who have already gotten involved. So many of you are volunteering. We need you here Wednesday at 5.15 in the main lobby with one of those lawn chairs, along with a bowl of candy, and uh, dress up, have fun with it, get ready Wednesday night. Uh, if you uh, still want to volunteer, we could still use you. Just sign up at the booth in the lobby. Also, a lot of you have asked about candy. So we're about 200 to 300,000 pieces short, but it's okay. It's okay. It takes a lot of candy for our over three, 4,000 kids who are going to be here on Wednesday night. So if you're still interested in donating, we actually have a candy wholesaler who has uh, offered to help us. And so if you uh, haven't had time to go buy candy, but you want to make a difference, if you'll see Brian Rhodes, the guy you just saw in the video, he'll be at the information desk right after the service. And if you want to just donate some cash or just make a check to Springwell, he'll take that and then go order candy from a wholesaler. And we can actually get a whole lot of candy that that way. Um, also, uh, you can bring it by the office Monday, Tuesday, or even Wednesday morning, and we can definitely use that this Wednesday night. The other thing that you can do to help people connect to that event is to pick up some cards. They're on the tables as you leave. Grab some of those cards. They're just invite cards that tell people all about it and invite your coworkers to be with us on a Wednesday night. That's just one way that you can connect to Springwell Church and uh, connect other people uh, to the love of Jesus. It's so much more than just giving out candy on Wednesday night. It's really an opportunity for us to love people who uh, have never been to church. They've been uh, turned away by this idea of church. What we hope to show them on Wednesday night, that it's just a bunch of people who care about each other. And so that's the difference that we're hoping to make. So we hope to see you here for that. Uh, also, every week we have the opportunity to connect with other people and share the love of Jesus. I wish you could see what we as a staff see all week long. We have so many broken, hurting, successful people who come onto this campus just need somebody to, to love them a little bit and show them how much Jesus loves them. And it's because you give that that happens. It's because you give that uh, there's going to be stories written today about life change. In just a minute, you're going to see some of the stories of Springwell Church, and there's going to be more after this service, and it's going to be because you gave that this ministry continues. So uh, we want to invite you to do that this morning. There's lots of different ways, as you know, if you're normally here, you can give online, springwell.org slash give. There's a kiosk in the lobby. You can give right there. Uh, you can even text any amount to the number that's going to be on the screen in just a minute, and we can get it that way, or you can just drop your gift in the bucket as it comes by. So if you're on the left of the row, if you would just grab that bucket for me and pass it to your right.
watching every gesture of your hand and waves of fear collapse at your command for I know tomorrow when the pressure rushes in and you'll be there to rescue me again what a mighty God What a mighty God You are What a mighty God What a mighty God
Father, what a mighty God you are. Father, that in your presence, Lord, fear has no chance. God, in your presence, doubt has no chance. God, through you, everything was created. And through you, Lord, everything sustains and is. God, you are our creator. Father, you know everything about us, Lord, inside and out, beginning, the end. Father, our life is a story, Lord, that you know everything about. God, nothing catches you by surprise. And Father, this morning, I know that Lord, a lot of us just carry weight. We carry fear. We carry concern. And Jesus, in your name, Father, in your presence this morning, Father, I pray that those voices would be silent. God, that in this moment, Lord, we would just be reminded that you are God. That you are the ultimate power. God, that darkness doesn't stand a chance against you because you have already overcome the darkness. You have already overcome our sin. You've already overcome death. Jesus, what a beautiful thing it is to be able to sing your name this morning, to sing about the power in your name. God, you are faithful. And you're loving and you're patient and you're kind. And God, because of your grace, Lord, we were able to wake up this morning. We were able to show up at this place. We're lifting our songs to you, lifting our voices to you. God, not just singing words, but God, worshiping who you are. God, that's what we were created for, was to worship you. And God, we thank you for that opportunity to do that this morning. Father, we pray that through the remainder of the service, God, that you would just clear our hearts, Lord, clear our minds. God, make a direct path to us this morning. God, help us to hear your voice, to be reminded that we are loved. Help us to be reminded that nothing can overcome us because we are yours. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love for us. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray this morning. Amen. You may be seated. My name is Kimberly Carr, and I've been coming here uh, just about three years now. One Saturday morning, um, a group, a growth group from Springwell was in my neighborhood doing one loaf, and I was having a bad day. <laughs> And I was sitting in the parking lot crying, and they walked up to me and asked me, could they help? 
and they did and after I asked them about four or five times what church they were from they finally told me and I told them I'm coming to your church tomorrow and I came and like when I walked in it was just like a feeling of your home how long have we been in the spring uh four months five months maybe yeah yeah and uh my name is Ray Childs uh and I'm Anna Taylor we have uh decided to build a life together and in that decision, we've decided to grow and find a place where we could grow and, and develop. And we think we have found that here. Well, not, I don't say we think, we know we have found it here at Springwell. So we, we sat in the back of the church for our first two months and just kind of was trying it out. And some weeks, you know, the message would really touch Ray, and then some weeks, the message would really touch me. And then the day they talked about blended families is the day we kind of locked eyes and was like, oh, this is it. This is home for us. My name's Faith, and I'm so thankful for the church that Springwell is. There are a lot of churches that, like, the people in it, like, just expect you, like, to, like, be, like, perfect and, like, not to make mistakes. And, like, if you, like, just came out of, like, prison, like, you're like, why are you here? I was actually not supposed to be home that morning, but God intervened and circumstances had me sitting at home with a flat tire crying. And I had had so many life events prior to this that just had left me in just a place of hopelessness. I didn't have any money to have a tire change. I didn't even have $5 to get a tire plugged. And really, that's all I thought that was going to happen. But they helped me get it pumped up enough to get up the street to a tire shop. And they had called ahead of me to let them know I was coming. And when I got to the tire shop, the guy checked my tires and all. And he was like, ma'am, you need four new tires. I'm like, um, no, I just want to get this one plug, please. Thank you. And... Uh, and by this time, the growth group actually came to the place to check on me. And that was amazing to me because they actually cared about somebody they knew nothing about. So they talked to the manager, had a little conversation over on the side, and they came back and they were like, we're going to get your four new tires. And the manager was like, no, I'm going to pay for the four new tires. So that was a pretty amazing day for me. And then I specifically remember one of the growth group members we were standing outside of the tire shop and I was just crying. I was like, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? And it was Brittany Taylor. She was like, Jesus loves you. And that just reminded me of whose I was and that God cares about the smallest details of my life. Thanks to Anna, we've gotten involved with volunteering and growth groups and that that has been so tremendous in our lives. We've developed relationships. We have um, spiritually grown. We have just become more aware of what we want to become and the person, persons that, you know, or people that, <laughs> you can edit that, <laughs> or the people that, uh, you know, God intended us to be. I mean, for me, when we were looking for a church, there was definitely, I don't think Ray felt the same way I did, but I had a, a void of community inside of me where the church I had been to before, I just wasn't really connecting. And um, 
And since we got here and started volunteering and started doing growth groups and stuff like that, we that void has been filled for me. Like I finally have the community that I wanted. And since we've gotten here, you know, we in our growth group, we met people who are going through the same things we're going through. People who have been through things that we'll probably go through with older children. And, you know, we have those people to lean on now as we're going through, you know, our, our walk. Our journey. <laughs> our journey. <laughs> Love, yeah. friendship, community. It's just, it's, we you got, feel the love when you come here. We never felt any sort of judgment for how we looked or what we were going through. I'm so thankful for the type of church like that Springville is and like how they are and like the people, like how they like don't judge you. Springville accepts my family just the way we are. That's uh, that's us. That's who we are. Uh, we've been in this uh, series. We'll finish up today, and it's a vision series. It's uh, it's it's probably saying the same things I've said a lot over the last twenty two three years, um, over and over and over again. It, it's it's who we are. Um, th- those stories are critically important to me. Uh, I met uh, Faith, the, the, the little girl. I, I met her, I don't know, a few months ago. Her mom brought her down and said, so my daughter wants to talk to you. And we, I sat down over there and I, you know, started your conversation. And one, one of these days, maybe we'll be able to do that whole story. Man, a child looks at you and says, thank you. Thank you that Springwell is the kind of church that it is. Man, don't get any better than that. And it's and it's who we are. It's it's uh, we're different. If you're visiting, you probably picked up on that. Uh, people tell us we're weird. <laughs> we just think we're different. Uh, a little weird. It, it is so much of, of who we are. It's the vision of this church. Today, I'm going to talk about a word. It, it's a, it can be a nasty word. <laughs> Some people think it's a cuss word. It's word commitment. Hang on, because it's going to be different. Now, hear me tell what you're not going to hear today. You're not going to hear me give you a big speech on you need to be committed to Springwell Church. Springwell Church needs you to be committed. It's not about being committed to Springwell Church. I will, I will encourage you. I will push you to talk about commitment in the area of your relationship with Jesus. Here's, here's what I know. Um, you can be committed to a church, and a church will let you down. I promise we will somewhere at some point, we'll let you down. Because we're just fallible humans. Um, we're just like you. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, be careful uh, when, you may, when, when you talk about us because you're one of those, those people. And so you can be disappointed in people, absolutely. So I don't want you to be committed to a church. But I will, I will push you to be committed to Jesus, to fall head over heels in love with Jesus. Because here's the thing. Once you fall head over heels in love with Jesus, everything else changes. How you serve here, and we can talk about that, and I've mentioned ways to serve. And Is that important to us? Of course it is, because it makes, it makes those stories happen every week here. 
when people walk through the doors and they're loved and they're welcome. So greeters matter. Absolutely. But I don't want you to be, you know, uh, just singing the, the praises of Springwell. Don't, don't. I want, what I want you to do, I want you to fall head over heels in love with Jesus and to serve him to the best of your abilities. You ready? Ready to jump in? Here we go. Here we go. In the summer of 64 A.D., Rome uh, suffered a terrible fire that, uh, that burned for six days and seven nights. And it consumed at least three quarters of the city. It's a terrible fire. The people blamed Nero. Uh, if you don't know anything about Nero, it was interesting. I had a guy in the first service who was really a historical buff, I guess, and so he knew all about Nero. And Nero was a bad guy. I mean, he was as bad as you could get. And so the people blamed Nero because they knew that he was mean. And so what they really accused him of, they said that he had set fire to the city for his own amusement. Just for his own amusement. Nero, uh, politics hasn't changed a whole lot. Nero just blamed Christians. It was, you know, it was those crazy Christians. And so what he did was he rounded up his men, said, I want, he sent them out through the city and said, I want you to round up every Christian that you possibly can and we're going to burn them. And that's exactly what he did. Terrible. He had this thing called Nero's Circus, which really wasn't a circus. It was an arena. And in that arena, followers of Jesus were bound, tied to stakes, and they were set on fire alive just to light the arena. Now, you want to talk about committed. Can you wrap your brains around that? I mean, really, a follower of Jesus, come on, I want to push you just for a second. I know you can kind of puff up with a little bit of pride, think, man, I love Jesus. Really? How much do you love him? Like if somebody came to you and they said, you're a Christian, knowing that they would take you and then they would, they would bind you to a stake and set you on fire alive, would you be able to say, yes, I love Jesus? That's what happened. They were fed to the lions just for sport. And if we had been able to sit down with those early Christians and say to them, you know, hang on, I know it looks rough right now. I know things look bad, bad right now, but in a matter of time, one day, the city of Rome is going to be adorned with crosses everywhere. Everywhere you look, and Karen and I can testify, we had the opportunity to go to Rome, to spend a, almost a week in Rome. And I can tell you that everywhere you look, I mean literally everywhere you look, it points you to Jesus. There are crosses everywhere. And we would be able to look at them and say, there'll be crosses everywhere, but these aren't wooden death crosses. That's not what they are. These crosses will represent one crucifixion, and that will be the crucifixion of the man that you serve, that you follow, that you're committed to. This man named Jesus. And the day's going to come when Christians will make pilgrimages to Rome to visit Nero's circus, where it currently is, where your brothers and sisters are being put to, to death. But instead of an arena, there will be a cathedral built in the memory of Peter, this fisherman who will become the leader of this movement. This movement that's called the way. Just hang on. I know it looks dark today. But one day, this movement, this movement that you are willing to die for, is going to change the world. If we'd been able to have that conversation with those early Christians, they would have looked at us and said, you crazy. What have you been smoking? 
what, are you crazy? Rome, Rome, Rome is forever. And we absolutely believe in Jesus. We believe that he's the Savior. And we're absolutely committed to the movement. We're committed to each other. But the movement's small. This, this, we're only a few dozen strong. And I'm telling you, we don't have that much influence. We don't have that kind of power. And, and Rome would never surrender. The great and, and powerful Rome would never surrender to a little movement that we call the way. And yet within 300 years, which is not very long historically speaking, there were crosses everywhere and our crosses everywhere in Rome. And they adopted Christianity as the official religion. That's crazy. How did it happen? Let me tell you how it didn't happen. It didn't happen because Christians decided that they would run for political office so that they could gain power and control. It's not how it happened. Now, there are people in our country today that believe that the only way that Christians can have an influence, that Christians can have power, is that if we get involved in the arena of politics, that's not how it happened here. Let me tell you how else it didn't happen. It didn't happen because Christians fought for their rights. Now, that's what we think today, right? That's what we've been boasting about over the last few years, that Christians have to stand up. I talked to somebody between the services, and they looked at me, and they said, the problem with that, I, I, I don't, like, when do I stand up? I don't know when to stand up and how to stand up. That's not how the movement brought change to the world. So how'd they do it? I'll tell you how they did it. It's because they were committed. And they, they weren't committed to a denomination. It wasn't religion that they were committed to. They were committed to a man. And they were committed to the, to the teachings of that man who was the Son of God. His name is Jesus. And they were so committed to him that it changed how they treated each other. They just, they just began to treat each other different. Did they argue? Did they have conflict? Of course they did. Obviously they did. I mean, if, if in your family, do you ever have conflict within your family? Husbands are going, no. I got you. <laughs> That's good. That's good right there. He's sitting beside the boss. No. She's going, yes. Then guess what? When you come to church, don't expect for there not to be conflict here. Of course, there'll be conflict here. But here's the thing. With the early Christians, it was the same way. But here's what they decided. They decided that the teachings of Jesus were critical and important. And Jesus actually taught us how to deal with conflict. To confront each other in love and to, to be compassionate with each other. To learn how to listen to each other and to move through our conflict to resolution. And this, this thing, this movement called the way. And they called it the way because Jesus said, I am the way. And so they were almost making fun of this group. Oh, you little followers of, of the way, you know, laughing them off. It, the, following Jesus so radically changed how they treated each other and how they treated the rest of the world. The hurting and the broken. Changed the world. It literally changed the world. Several months ago, I read that in about 250 AD, there was an epidemic. And Karen and I, I, I know you remember this, when we were there hearing about this e epidemic from uh, our tour guide, this one particular tour guide. And, and so he said that it wiped out up to a third of the cities in the Roman Empire. It was ugly, it was terrible. People were dying everywhere. Greek historian. 
uh, Thucydides writes about how the people in Athens responded during the plague. Here's what he writes. He says, they died with no one to look after them. Indeed, there were many houses in which all the inhabitants perished through lack of any intention for care. And then here's, here's the sentence that, whoa, it's crazy. The bodies of the dying were heaped up one on top of the other. And so that picture, if you'll go back and study history, is that literally they had no more concern for these dying people that they would die, that they wanted to take over what they had, their property, that would go in, take these bodies, stack them up on one on top of the other like cordwood in the streets. But there was another little group of people. There was another little group of people who remembered that they followed a man who, who touched lepers. And then this same man said, I want you to do what I've done. I want you to go where I've gone. I want you to love the people that I've loved. And people have value. And people are important. And I want you to go into your community. I want you to go into the world. And I want you to love and heal the sick. There's another ancient writing from Dionysius. I think is how you say it. And he wrote what happened during those plagues. And here's what he wrote. He said, heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick. Attending to their every need, ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. That's crazy. And once again, I have an opportunity sometimes to spend weeks on these messages. And I remember reading that for the first time, and I thought, wow. I wonder, I wonder if I would do that. I mean, sometimes I try to put myself in their shoes, and I know what you're doing. Some of you are puffing up. Oh, yes, I would. I don't, would you? So I don't know that if may, maybe I could see me saying, looking at my beautiful wife and looking at my beautiful kids and, and taking the family and saying, listen, we got we to gotta get out of Greenville. There's a plague here. People are dying. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a protector of my home, and I'm going to save my family. You're probably a lot more spiritual than me. But I could see that going through my head. And you look at these people and you think, how, what, call, how could, what would possess them to do such a thing? That's commitment. I almost, I did. I went to the internet and I, I said, okay, I'm going to find a definition for commitment. Everything I found, it just, didn't, it just didn't say anything really. It was so empty. Not compared to what it took for these people to do what they did. That's commitment. That's people who were radically changed by the life of Jesus. And that's people who said, you know what? Go to church on Sunday. They don't even have that concept. You are aware of that. They were the first church. And so they weren't, they, they didn't, we'll go to church Sunday and feel good that we went to church. These were people that said, we are committed to the teachings of Jesus. And if this is what Jesus did, and he said, be like me, be little Christ, and go into the community and do what I've done, they took him at his word, and they did it. It's crazy. I want to read you the speech that got it all started. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. There's probably thousands of people that have gathered on a hillside. And so Jesus, this is, this is critical. This is why the speech is so important. This is not like, it's a Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters in Matthew. It's powerful. Whoa, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, let me tell you what it is. What Jesus did was he began to spell out, this, these are the habits. This is the lifestyle of people that follow me. It's radical. This, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. 
This is how we are going to change the world. This is better than Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. You ready? I love that speech, don't you? Man, if I could do it, I ain't got an enemy. So anyway, Matthew 5, here we go. Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened up his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, listen, he says, poor in spirit. If you were physically poor, I'm sure that maybe you'd go, Woo! <laughs> Hello, are you with me? <laughs> Anybody struggling financially? <laughs> Rest of you are lying? <laughs> but this, this is not, this is not a, from a financial standpoint, this is, this is spiritually poor. And this, this was a crowd of people that would have connected, that would have said, you know what, we don't fit in at the local synagogue. We're, we're not good enough. I mean, we're overwhelmed with our sin, my addiction, my struggles. It is so bad that there is no hope for me. Jesus said, you are poor in spirit. And they would have said, you're absolutely right. In ours is the kingdom of heaven. Have mercy. This is starting off really good, isn't it? Come on. Don't you want to go, woo? He said, blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Four funerals in a week for us. I greeted a family back this morning. I can't believe they're here. Sweet, wonderful family. Lost a child. So if you've ever lost, if you're, if you're struggling with grief, when Jesus spoke these words, you, I mean, you know it. Time doesn't heal. Time will make you angry and bitter. That's what time will do. You will focus on the loss. If you focus on the loss instead of focusing on Jesus, if you, don't, if you don't really lean into the Holy Spirit, I mean, your life will be radically changed. And what Jesus said here was, "Go listen, those who mourn, you will mourn because there will be loss in life. But I'm going to give you comfort. And man, that's really, really good stuff. And he was doing so good. And then he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And everybody listening went, and they went, what? Because in the ancient world where Jesus was born, this Greco-Roman world, people admired their heroes. Their, their heroes were, were, were lifted up. They were, they were magnified. They were glorified. Um, and, and the idea of a hero is someone who overcame obstacles to achieve their full potential. And it wasn't just obstacles that they had to overcome to achieve their full potential. They also uh, overcame each other. There was competition among one another. We don't know anything about that. But in the ancient world, they were sick back then. We're so much smarter now. And so there was that feeling of competition. At the end of the day, it's the person who won. Those were the heroes. So they viewed all of life as kind of a contest or a competition. And that's why the Greek... For the Greeks, the Olympics were not just games. They were like a religious ceremony, see? And they, so there were these, these athletes, and so they trained, and they overcame obstacles, and they overcame other people to achieve excellence and status and honor. And so for this group of people, Jesus was doing so good. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the spiritually poor. Amen. Preach it, brother. Blessed are those who mourn. Come on. Bring it. Blessed are the meek. Huh? I, that's. You just want to say, Jesus, are you, like, are you from around here? <laughs> like, you're God. I knew you'd been up in heaven. 
Like, you didn't have somebody telling you what's going on down here? I mean, like, do you know anything about Rome? Do you realize the culture you stepped into? Hey, maybe, maybe you missed it a couple of thousand years. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you came early. Do you know where you are? Because meek ain't cool. Then Jesus continued. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. And they would have said, merciful? You can't. Blessed are the merciful? We don't know what mercy is. You don't give mercy. You win. You step on whoever you have to step on to get to the top. It's look out for number one. If you want to be admired in this culture, if you want to be viewed as a hero in this culture, he said, blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And they would have just said, what, peacemakers? Bunch of weenies? What do you mean, peacemakers? We are warriors. Make no peace. For they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Oops. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And the crowd's probably thinking, you know, Maybe he'll reach down in his miracle bag and, like, do a miracle because <laughs> the speech is stinking right now. It's bad. I mean, we, you did so good. Maybe somebody, some critic in the back was taking notes going, you know, you started off, like, with a bang. You know, you were speaking to the little people. You know, yay, you're getting the crowd. And, you're, and, and then you said, then you went down this, that's not cool, Jesus. Work a miracle. Raise somebody from the dead. Heal a lame man or something. Maybe they were thinking, so, so we're poor, sad, meek, righteous, merciful, pure, peaceful, persecuted, insulted people waiting on some kind of reward when we get to heaven. That's your speech? And that's how we're going to change the world? You better go back and regroup, you know? We should be talking military strategy here and and, and organizing troops and power stuff, not blessed are the meek. Then Jesus gets real practical. He starts to speak in terms they can understand. Matthew 5.13 says, you are the salt of the earth. And everybody in Jesus' audience knew what salt was. It was a preservative. I mean, they didn't have refrigerators back in the day. And for those of you that are like really, really young and don't know what a preservative is, I got this straight off the internet, so it has to be true. A preservative is simply a, a, a substance added to food to prevent decomposition. That's a real sexy way to say it, isn't it? Due to chemical change or bacterial action. Yeah, you don't even know what to say, do you? And so here's what Jesus said. So Jesus looks at, he looks at his crowd and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the preservative. And, and here's the thing. You, your job as, as my followers, your job is to preserve the whole earth. And if the earth begins to rot and if culture begins to stink, you know what? It's up to you to preserve it. You know what amazes me about us as Christians is that we're so critical of the world. I really, I think it's a hoot. Uh, I mean, you talk to Christians all the time. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, right? 
And so we look, we, we watch the 6 o'clock news, we see another shooting, we see something else, and we go, oh, it's the world today that we live in. It's going to hell, I tell you. That woke some of you up right there. He said hell. Sunday morning. Listen to me. Maybe the reason the world is in the shape it is is because we haven't been doing a very good job of preserving it. Ouch. You didn't see that one coming, did you? He was already, oh, give it, preach it. <laughs> Until, yeah. So maybe the, maybe the thing is, is that we don't do a very good job in our school system. We haven't done a good job. Oh, that's right. That's right. We, we need to get political. That's the answer, really? Has politics done anything for us yet? No. It's Christians that'll be Christians. It's, it's followers of Jesus that will decide to be salt. You having fun yet? I can almost hear somebody saying, hang on a cotton picket minute. That's not what I signed up for. I just want to be a Christian. You know? I, just want, like, I just want to be a Christian. You know what I'm saying? I, I, don't, I, want, I don't want to go to hell when I die. I've never talked to anybody who did. I've talked to people that were atheists, agnostics. I said, who wants to go to hell? Nobody's ever raised their hand. I said, me, 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 me. I love Florida. Maybe hell's a version of. No, it's not. No, nobody wants to go to hell. And so sometimes people go, wait a minute. That's not what I signed up for. That's what these first believers, that's what these first followers of Jesus, that's what they signed up for. They were committed. They were committed to a way of life, not just listening to the teachings of Jesus. They were making application in the world that they lived. They were being salt. Maybe you're thinking, I didn't sign up to be no preservative. Well, he goes on. He said, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're the light of your world. That's what he was saying, literally. In the Greek, that's what he means. You're the, you, you are the light of your world. And you're thinking, I'm not, I'm not the light. And then he said, a city set on a hill, set on a hill cannot be hidden. And, and I read that to be set on a hill meant to be strategically placed. And some of you are thinking, whoa, baby, I'm out. Good, thank the Lord. I'm now Because I've not been strategically placed. I mean, the only reason I have the job right now is the only one I could find. I don't want to work here. The people I work for don't want me working here. I mean, nobody wants me working where I'm working, but it's the only paycheck that was available. And here's what I would say to you. Then you have been, whether you know it or not, strategically placed. I talk to Christians all the time. I think we're the, again, I just think we're a hoot. I just want to work with a bunch of Christians. Why would you want to do that? I know some. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Um, you can't be light in light. Light and light is just light. He says, so you know what? I want to take light, and I want to strategically place this light in a dark place. Then he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light, let your light so shine before others. Why? So they can... See your good works and give you all the glory for it. And say, man, that's a Christian right there. Look at him. Look at her. Whoa, I'm impressed. 
That's actually not, that's not what it says, is it? It says that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why? Because they'll look at you and go, you know what? This is, this is a lifestyle. This, this is not about a church goer. This is a lifestyle. And they'll look at you and go, I know that human beings are not capable of what I see happening in you. This is something outside of your realm. It, Jesus has got to be alive and well. He's got to be. There's no other there's no other reason. There's no other explanation. That means sometimes we have to have hard conversations where we work. Because light has to shine. Committed people. I got this from somebody else. It's good though. Committed people. That was my part. Or dot connectors. See, in the first century, those followers of Jesus took this stuff. They took it to heart. They didn't know that they were just being Christians. They didn't know they just signed up to get some fire insurance and not have to worry about going to hell when they die. They, they took this stuff to heart. And so it, it radically changed how they viewed human life. And so in this culture, in this culture, if, if you were a woman, you were at the very bottom of the, of the ladder. You had no love, no respect, none whatsoever. You couldn't vote. You could not give a testimony in, in, a, in a court of law. I mean, you had no rights whatsoever. Just above you, just above you were children. But if you were born as a child, if you were born as a female child and you had a handicap, you were out. They literally could take you just outside the city, just outside the city gate. There was a place that would be designated for them to take. You would take your child. Like we go to the garbage dump and take our, I go to O'Neill every week. I love going to O'Neill. I don't know why. I'm sick, but I love going up there. But anyway, this is what, I don't even know where that came up. So they would take these babies and take them out, and they would put them outside of the gate and just walk off. They could take these children out in the desert alive and walk off, and they would not have been considered to be breaking the law. But there were these Christians. And there were, there were Christians who said, I know this is not our culture. This is not how we've been raised, but... But that's not what Jesus would do. I mean, they were doing WWJD long before we were doing WWJD. And what would Jesus do in this situation? I'll tell you what he would do. He would love, he would love those, those kids that nobody else is going to love. And so they would, these are families, not wealthy families, average families, just like me and you. And so then they would, they would, they would take those babies and they would adopt those babies that would bring them to their home and they would love them and nurture those children who would never be able to do anything for them. It's crazy talk. And I'm so proud that we have families right here in this church. Oh, my gosh. One of the ladies that sang this morning, I think they've adopted seven. Maybe working on another. I mean, that, other families, an elder of ours adopted two children. My goodness. That's what followers of Jesus do. It's how they live. So my, my dream, I just dream that we'll be dock connectors in our community. That's what I dream. That's, that's, that's what I dream for with Candy Dash, absolutely. Stupid, right? Giving away candy. Yeah. Giving it away. And, and giving away the magnitude of it that you, you can't even wrap your brain around that much candy. Yeah. I have staff that dream that dream. 
That's why we house homeless people here. That's why we're going to do 25 days of Christmas. Absolutely. Is it important that you be a part of that? Absolutely it's important that you be a part of that. That's why there can be story after story after story after story after story of lives that have been changed not by the church, but by the power of God, of by love and, and, and followers of Jesus that decide that we want to do more than just say I'm a Christian, but I want to live my life in such a way that's different. I talked to two people this week, two people this week, man, that led people outside of Springwell to Jesus. I love those stories. And I love it when I think, if I'm not mistaken, one of those actually went back and told somebody else about Jesus. That's crazy. He don't know enough, right? we got to send him to school, talk to him a little bit about evangelism. And then we've got to equip him with EE or CWT or some kind of evangelism tool. No, you don't. He found Jesus. He went to tell somebody else what he found. We need greeters. Yep. Do we need parking lot people? Absolutely. Do we need tech people? People to sing, people to play. Yeah. That's not the point of this message. That's not the point of this message. The point of this message is to say that I have a dream that we as a church collectively, as we go out every single week, that ever how many it is that we have that come here. Is that every single week, wherever we go, we're light. Wherever we go, that we're salt to our culture. Are you with me? And so if it's in our neighborhood or if it's if the place that we work is that we can just quietly love people. Just love them. Don't, don't put your Springwell t-shirt on. They don't care where you go to church. They want to know the Savior that you serve. Are you, are you with me? That's my dream. And then God, you, you know what? I, I've said this for years. I'm stupid. I know. I, I wish Springwell Church could be responsible for filling up every other church in Greenville just because we love people where they are who cares at the end of the day so as a follower of Jesus are you a dot connector when people look at you and then they hear the story of Jesus they go ah you love the unlovely he loved the unlovely. Oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. So when, when everybody else walks out and you walked in, that's what Jesus walks in. Yeah, that's what he does. That's what he did. That's what he wants us to do is just follow his example. That's my challenge to this church. So how are you doing? Are you just a Christian? <laughs> do you just want to be a Christian? Or do you want to be a follower of Jesus? be a preservative and everywhere we see decay everywhere in our culture that it stinks is that we say man that's where I've been called to be I've been called to be right there in the middle of that maybe you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus and let's just be honest maybe the reason that you're here you didn't know it it was because there was some Christian some follower of Jesus that was being salt and light you know, and so you're here because you've started to connect the dots. You've you've heard about Jesus, and then you've seen them, and you said, "I got there's they're crazy." <laughs> I mean, they've loved me, they've been faithful, they've just been patient, and maybe the reason that you're here, the only reason that you're here today, 
is because there's been another follower of Jesus who's been salt light. They've, they've been that dot connector. And now you're connecting the dots, right? You're saying, this is this person. Hey, here's the teachings of Jesus. I get it. Boom, the lights are on for me. I get it. If that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. No one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know that God's crazy about you. Absolutely crazy. He was so crazy about you. So much that he wanted a relationship with you that he sent his son. And Jesus, his son, is so crazy about you that he was willing to go to the cross. And on the cross, shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. Man, that's a lot of love. Then on the third day, he was raised from the dead and he's alive. become a follower of Jesus by saying I, I believe that I accept that I don't know if I understand it all and just your willingness to surrender your life to Jesus and if that's you then maybe you just pray a prayer something like this you put it in your own words but maybe you right now you just say God I get it I don't understand it all but your love is amazing absolutely amazing and I just Thank you. I mean, I don't, am I worthy? There must be value to me because you were willing to pay the ultimate price for me. I know you're alive, so I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Step into my life, be my Savior. And then just tell him, tell him, go ahead, tell him you love him. Say, I love you. And tell him, say, you're awesome you're incredible Lord this has been a series about casting some vision I hate those words Lord you know me I absolutely hate those words they sound too something it, it's just I don't think that Springwell should be weird or different than any church God that we should just to the best of our ability follow you follow you that we just do what you do go where you go love the people you love give serve we're faithful and watch you Lord as you take people like us ordinary people and literally God you change the world you use people like us to bring this preservative this light get to be a part of it. And so we say thank you. It's in your sweet name we pray.